fall is in the air, and it's time to go back to school. Announcing the tent autumn school on the Gospel of John. You may have noticed that there is a vast gap between Christianity and the way of Jesus, a gap that seems to be widening. Now more than ever, we need to go back to the source. Now more than ever, we need the book of the beloved. You are invited to a chapter-by-chapter study of this extraordinary account of Jesus, taking in the political, cultural, and theological aspects of the entire Gospel of John. We'll meet for ten online sessions, led by me, Stephen Backhouse. We'll meet every Thursday from the sixth of October through to the eighth of December. To hit as many time zones as possible, the sessions will start at eight p.m. GMT. Each live session is one and a half hours, giving lots of time for teaching, discussion, and friendship. Ask any question. Have your say. Meet fellow travelers. For prices and more info, visit the courses and resources page of the Tent Theology website, or email me, Stephen, at tenttheology.com, to book your place for the Autumn School and the Gospel of John. Welcome, fellow traveller, to the Tent Talks podcast, where we fight bad ideas with good ideas. Join Dr. Stephen Backhouse and friends as we pursue the renewing of our theological, social, and political imagination. Hello, fellow travellers. This is one of your co-hosts, Sean McCoy, and today I'm joined uh, by uh, Chris Marchand, and we have two particular guests that we're bringing uh, to the tent today to talk to, one of which you know very well, and another which you are are aware of and we just thought it'd be a great time and a great opportunity to talk to Stephen Backhouse and Avi Feingold about their hyphen podcast and as all of you know yes for those of you that are sitting there wondering is, is Stephen going to be on this podcast or does have to listen to these these two clowns yes he's here but he gets to be a guest today on his own pod because Chris and I got to talking and we're just really impressed um, with the nature of that podcast with what it does I've been listening since the beginning, and so we thought, who better on to have these two guys? And that's, that's my take, Chris. What did you think? Hey, I, I, my problem with listening to their podcast is I have, like, I want to stop at every five minutes. Like, okay, wait, wait, I have another question for Avi. You know, I want to I ask him this one, and I want to ask him this one. And so, so I'm, I, I, I'm going to have to re- hold back a bit today, you know, like uh, <laughs> all, all of my ju- high uh, holy day questions, you know, like those those. <laughs> Well, you, you should write them in as, uh, you know, listener questions and we'll, should, uh, you I know, should. try to get a rapid fire of those. Yeah. We should put that in team. We should put that into our next episode. Send us a live call in a live call in. Not even a live, that? just like a, uh, you listener know, questions. That's a great listener idea. Questions. We should do an all listener question episode. <laughs> I love that. I love so as you just heard, they're both gentlemen are here. Thank you all so much for coming. Uh, and taking the time. So, Sean, if I'm a guest on this show, if, if I say anything controversial, am I allowed to edit it out? And Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. Very good. <laughs> It's all about power and control. We know this is the point of the podcast, right? Can I swear? Am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yes, you are. But thank you so much for coming. And and, and I, I guess the kind of the best place to start it, I'd love to um, kind of the first idea, the origin, the genesis, if you will, of kind of, you know, who called who, uh, what was the, and what was the impetus to start the podcast? You know, percolating with this idea in my mind that Jews and Christians need to be talking more to each other, but also just simply, like you said, because there's so many questions. 
right? I, I'd be, we live in such a Christian society, especially I live in Quebec, which is, you know, uh, heavily influenced as secular as it is right now. And as much as there is a desire to secularize the province of Quebec here in Canada, um, there is still a lot of religion all around and all over the place. And I'd have these like, you know, little questions like, what is an advent calendar and how does it work? I mean, I sort of get some sense of it, but also like, you know, what happens at a mass and how do I differentiate between all of these different types of denominations? I, I just didn't know who to ask. And I was like, well, this would be a great conversation because I'm sure Christians have these kinds of questions um, of Jews. And I know that we can ask this of many other faiths. And I was like, you know what, let's stick to just two to get it started and get the ball rolling and to sort of find this. And I had approached um, my, our mutual good friend, uh, Reverend Graham Singh. Uh, I don't know how many of your listeners are aware of him, but he is, I mean, he's a force of nature. I mean, he is, uh, he is an act of God, as, we, as one might say. But <laughs> Bit. I think he, he's very busy and he's, you know, he's got a million different foundations and projects and stuff. And he didn't do this, but he was like, you know what, you, you have to do this with Stephen. And I had heard Stephen's name through Graham several times already. And uh, we emailed each other. We ended up uh, talking for an hour and a half. I was in the parking lot of the grocery store because that's when the timing worked out and I'd forgotten it was Friday morning and I was shopping for my Sabbath. And then I was, oh, great. We have to make this call. And um, we sat and chatted for an hour and a half. And at that point it was like, oh yeah, we, we can talk and we have what to ask each other and let's make this work. And uh, mm -hmm. as they say, the rest is history. With us, you get, a, you get this phone call. What was that? What was that like? What did you think about it? Well, that was fun. I've learned, so Graham Singh uh, is a past guest on the Tent Talks podcast, so go back and listen to him, and he also is the man who came up with the phrase Tent Theology, which is the, the consulting teaching business that I run. So I have learned that when Graham recommends that I meet somebody or that I do something, it's a good idea to listen to him because he's, he's got a lot of good ideas. So when he said, oh, I've got this friend, he's a rabbi in Montreal, he wants to, to do some work. Um, he sent me Avi's, I forget if it was his Facebook or something. And, and Avi does a lot of stuff with like cocktails and he makes cocktails mm -hmm. and he's, and there's lots of pictures of him dressed up looking kind of really bling and <laughs> really gangster. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is the guy that I don't understand why I'm supposed to be connected to this guy, but we met each other and sure enough, it was really interesting and really fun. And it's kind of like, I'm like the Christian version of Avi. Avi is running a, a, a learning lab, Jewish learning labs. And he runs these, these informal, non-academic, but scholarly teaching sessions for Jews to learn about their own Judaism. And I was like, well, that's what I do for Christians. I, I run informal, scholarly, but non-academic sessions for Christians to learn about Christianity. So there was just lots of connection there. Plus, I, I lived in Montreal for a couple of years, and, and I have a big soft spot in my heart for Montrealers. So yeah, how fun is this, right? Just to say, oh, okay, let's have these conversations and see what happens. And we did make a rule that we're not going to convert each other. That was a, that <laughs> yeah, came we out. We can't figure out quick. that if the other one, whoever converts the other one first, is that counted as the ultimate win or the ultimate <laughs> loss? <laughs> yeah. Either way, it's the end of the podcast right <laughs> away. And then, of course, the name hyphen is a good one. Uh, yeah. Abby, where did you, I Go think ahead. it was you who came up with that name. So, 
I mean, I, I've seen it. There's a book actually called Hyphen from uh, Lyotard, the, the French philosopher, mm-hmm. um, that he talks about the idea of the hyphen between Judeo-Christian. And I, again, what we do is we de-academicize these, these major dense academic ideas. I own the book. I think I've gotten through half a page of it and realizing, oh, he has this idea of what is the space between Judeo-Christian and there is no such thing as a Judeo-Christian, but he's using, you know, a very French, you know, uh, philosophical, you know, approaches and ideas. And I was like, oh, well, let's just take the, take the title. It seems kind of fun. Um, it's not a very Googleable title. Um, or, or like searching it in Spotify, you type in hyphen, it just like too many other ones. Might've thought something better than that next time, but uh, you know, we're making it work. We're making it work. You know, I have a question about the whole not converting each other thing. Yeah. So I know you, I've known you now for, for a few years, but when I heard that, there was still a twinge of skepticism because of our evangelical Christian roots. I go, no, no, this is what we do, Stephen. We convert, we bring people to Christ, you know, (laughs) and and, and so there's a twinge that I'm kind of going, I don't know. I think Stephen has some underlying ulterior motives here, but, but I, but I do know you. So I know you're actually sincere, but, but isn't that interesting what we, what we bring with us, the, the desire to evangelize. If, if, if Avi had, had come and given me the phone call just five years, 10 years, 10 years before, he would have got a different kind of person, probably. I probably would have been a little bit more still with the muscle memory of the apologetics and of the arguing and the defense and the winning arguments. You might have got a little bit of that. I was, I was leaving that off. And if you'd called me 20 years ago, you definitely would have got that, Avi. <laughs> so I think it helps that I've just completely seen the fruits of argumentative uh, winning Christianity and the fruits are very bad and so I just thought I was already not like that not interested in that at all and I, when I lived in Cambridge for a while I got I got interested in there's a there's a thing called scriptural reasoning which is a form of I don't know if Abby's ever done any of that it's a form of uh, bible study but not it's very intentionally without the the aim to convert or argue it's like oh look there's different people who have a different like especially Jews and Christians have the same texts, but then also there are different religious traditions that have a similar reverence for similar ideas. What happens if you sat down with uh, a Buddhist and you read the book of Deuteronomy together? Or what would happen if a Jew and a Christian read, I don't know, the, you know, the, the, the book of the Ephesians or something. And out of this, the thing that happens called scriptural reasoning, Rowan Williams does it, for example, if people are interested in that kind of thing. You just get this idea of like, oh, there are other forms of interreligious dialogue that aren't about trying to score points and that aren't about trying to argue or win converts. And so I was sort of primed. I was ready for Abby when he gave me the call. There's something similar. Like, I feel like the three of us, we share a certain cultural, like as a youth, I was, I went to uh, different street evangelization, like mission projects where we we spent a week talking to people on the streets about Jesus. Uh, is there anything similar? And do you feel a, a pressure for yourself to convert people to Judaism or, or, or how would you describe that? No. So one of the fundamentals of Judaism is that it is non-proselytizing, right? We, we, we are not out there to go and find people who do not have the, the vision of God that we do and to convince them of the rightness of, of this, this idea. So that pressure is off the Jewish community. You know, what's interesting, though, is that that pressure always exists in some way, especially for a lot of people. Um, And, you know, my take on it always is that 
people who want to convert other people are not confident enough in their own faith. And they need to use the ability to show other people that they are right to remind themselves that they are right. Um, and so what do Jews who have that? So there's this movement that started in the 60s um, that is loosely referred to as the Baal Tshuva movement, which literally means the people of return, right? And there was an idea that there are so many people that have assimilated and we should go and find those people that have assimilated from Judaism and we should show them the rightness of Judaism and, and do this outreach towards other Jews. So that became this really big movement and it still exists very much to this day. And with it to a certain extent, because who is out and who is in, right? The, the relative rightness and wrongness of people's lives. I don't know that if you're a good person that doesn't cheat on their taxes, you're that much worse because you're not a strict kosher eater and that strict kosher eater that is like looking to pay cash sometimes. And again, these are like, you know, extreme examples and I'm working with like, you know, tiny facts, but like, I, I don't really get that. And so my take on proselytizing, witnessing, outreach, or whatever, is that I'm here to teach. I'm here to present. Um, and if you're interested and you sort of say, I like what you're doing, I will teach you what I am doing, but I'm not interested in converting that. And I think that, you know, even Stephen, you probably, and this is a bit of conjecture, you would probably not, like if somebody came to you and said, I want to become a Christian, you wouldn't go and say, I refuse to convert people to Christianity no, right. to tell people. Yeah. It's so you don't evangelize unless they are actively wanting to be evangelized too. Right. Yeah, right. right. And that is the new, I think, modality of witnessing. And yeah. I would hope that that is the direction that we're going to across all faiths um, to go and say, um, we are here to you know, present our truth. Our truth is not necessarily uh, to the exclusion of other people's truths. And if somebody wants to hear my truth, I'm glad to teach it to them and to preach it to them. Um, but I'm not going to go and beat them over the head with it because that says more about my faith or my lack of faith than it says about, you know, the general state of the faith that I'm in right now. Gas itself, you, you've got some you know, a good number of episodes through. You both have been down this journey a bit. I'd like to ask both of you in that, in that idea of impact. Any conversations from this from this podcast impacted you in a way that you didn't expect? And then if there's anybody that's come up to you and said, hey, I, I was really skeptical listening to this, but when I heard the other person say something about XYZ, it had an impact on them that one way or the other in terms of what you've seen from Hyphen so far. A conversation I had, it wasn't on the Hyphen, I don't think. I think it was actually in conversation with Harmony Smith, and you can get that. That is a podcast, a YouTube and a podcast as well, where we were being interviewed by her about worship. And Avi was talking about Sabbath and Sabbath rest because uh, Harmony was really interested in, in Sabbath rest and she really wanted to know about, about Sabbath rest. And so Avi is doing his thing, talking about Sabbath. And I just, I had this funny little penny drop where I was like, this is really interesting. Like there's no divergence. I... So many times, there's so many things that Avi and I will talk about, and there will be a divergence of thought. And we'll eventually have to say, oh, right, we just don't see the same way on that thing. But with Sabbath, I just got to the point where I was like, oh, I have no, there's no like um, grit in this. It just smoothly flows really well. And I thought, oh, isn't that interesting that, that the kinds of things that Avi said about Sabbath were exactly the kind of things I would have said about Sabbath. And I just, to me, that was a really fun moment. I didn't even know that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I, and I realized, oh, there's no, because hyphen doesn't, we're not a conflict type of uh, podcast. It's not about conflict, but we do have moments where we, we both realize, oh, wow, we're really being shaped by different 
different sets of imagination are really shaping our, our way of viewing the world. And I, for the Sabbath, I didn't think that. And I thought there's a really interesting point of congruence between, you can see how Christianity just flowed from Judaism in that, in that particular area without, without any conflict, but anyway. Thanks, that's, that's really touching and beautiful and uh, great. I, w- I keep having these moments where the fact that my incredibly deep sense of history is very much limited to Jewish history. And I have like, I, I know who Napoleon was and I know what the, you know, Rosetta Stone, like I get the, the, the big picture of history, but who has a equally deep knowledge of history from their specific perspective and how that has shifted things has like how they then approach um, history and their understanding has really opened my eyes. It's sort of like, you know, when you first get uh, an inkling of what they, they they talk about when they talk about the multi, um, the infinite universes mm-hmm. sort of theory in physics, where somebody there's somebody else right now. There's another universe where I'm actually having a podcast with um, with you know Graham Singh, and there's another you know uh, where I'm actually having this podcast series with Adele, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, like because there's so many possibilities, and that oh, I think about history as a Jew, because that's what I've learned. And I know all the threads and how they right. all tie to each other within, within Judaism. But then Stephen is like, so casually like points out like, oh, you know, that there's this deep connection between Martin Luther and Nazism and the rise of Nazism. And, or, you know, how Marchionism is like really important to understand how contemporary Christianity, right, evolved from that. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh yeah. And now I have to sit and think about how these streams are crossing and how I actually have to think about, you know, what happened and a much bigger picture. So, so it's really opened my eyes that I have to stop thinking about history as my history, but that there's so many other histories that are happening at the same time. Um, this is again, that otherness, right? That there's no idea of having history in a vacuum, right? Of our history, mm-hmm. right? It's whatever parallel histories are happening are actually affecting things at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny, as I've listened and re-listened to a number of the episodes, I've had a similar thought, which is, I see both of you, like, Avi, when you answer a question from Stephen, you, sometimes you kind of answer from yourself, but you're also, like, you're, you're answering from, like, five different streams within Judaism, like, well, you know, they'll say this over here, and then Stephen, you do the same thing, you're like, well, you know, like, Catholics will say this, and then my, my brain is kind of, like, going out in all these different directions, going, yeah, what it, what do they say? What do they say? Like, and it's interesting how you, you try to piece it all together. Right. Uh, you know, and you come up with an answer in the moment and it's, it's kind of brilliant in its own way. <laughs> I find it's the hardest thing to be able to idea. Like if, if, if I hold this to be true, that my Judaism is true for me and that there is not one Judaism, but there are multiple Judaisms um, and almost probably as many Judaisms as there are people in the world, because everybody has their own approach and their own thing. And it's mm-hmm. probably true about Christianity. And so I don't want to, misrepresent judaism by leaving Mm -hmm. something out right which a lot of other people again outreach people would say this is my truth this is what it is and this is what judaism Mm -hmm. is the same way that if you go to an evangelical and they are witnessing to you right they are telling you what their christianity is to them but they are presenting it as christianity Mm -hmm. and i think Stephen and i suffer from the same malady of like needing to like cover all the bases to be as fair as possible and as neutral as possible while presenting the material in a compelling and engaging manner. And that means that sometimes we spend two hours on a point that other people are like, uh. <laughs> but yeah. 
I mean, it doesn't help that that the history of it isn't it isn't equal and opposite, right? Like, it's not like uh, Judaism has has a whole lot of violent you know uh, uh, skeletons in the closet, which which Avi has to be worried about. Like, if he if he talks about how Judaism did so and so, and then I have to go, you know, that really affected my whole family or something like that. Whereas for it's the other way around, right? So when Avi's asking me about Martin Luther or something or the Reformation, well frankly there's a there's a pretty direct line from reformation thinking and the way martin luther treated jews to nazi germany as he said right and so i'm trying to give an answer which is about history but i'm also like fully aware that this is not leading somewhere good right and so <laughs> so i'm trying to talk about it but not defend it i'm not trying to a lot of evangelicals will talk about the protestant reformation in victorious manner as if it was like the ultimate act of history and it was the time when god finally got everything right or something like that i, I remember decades ago asking an evangelical offhand about something because it wasn't even clear to me again the need for this type of podcast was evident back then yeah. something about the pope and he's right. like oh yeah those stupid papists right and then the relationship that evangelicals would have with catholicism was just like, right yeah how far apart they were And to that, Abby, like down here in the South, if you look historically, the rhetoric in terms of groups as you would identify, you know, the the, the have-nots or whatever, it was, it would be based on uh, race and then religion around being Catholic and then Jewish as well. Those were the, the nomenclatures. Catholics were typically regarded by Protestants in that same context, even historically. So, yeah, like, if you, but if you don't know that, you think it's all one big happy family in some mm -hmm. context. And and it's not, it's, I, I wanted to ask you, Abby, um, it is kind of a rather specific question to you, but I kind of want to flip it that, that you know, the nature of our podcast is around political theology and the work that Stephen does coming to it from, uh, you know, obviously from a, from a Christian viewpoint. When you hear of political theology or think about it from, uh, from your faith standpoint, what kind of role does it play? I mean, because it seems like, which, you know, which we we're just alluding to, you know, geopolitically and, you know, historical, historical perspectives around politics, you know, Judaism has a, is, is a, is a part of a lot of it, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't like over in the U.S. and obviously in the Muslim countries are not even, it's, there is no separation of church and state, but in terms of political theology, how did, how do things in your world, obviously speaking for yourself, as you just said, plus whatever other details you want to add to it from a group perspective, but what does political theology mean in Judaism? So um, I'm going to bracket um, and it's an unfair to bracket this really, to be, to be honest, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to bracket Zionism, right? Because it's its own thing when we think about political um, Judaism and, you know, as somebody who, you know, believes in Zionism, whether cultural or political, however we want to get into the different forms of Zionism, whatever it is, um, and how it relates to North American Judaism, things like that. I think that's going to be way too broad to talk about. Um, I, I'm fascinated more, or I'm interested more in how um, Christians use, and it's clear and evident, even when there is separation of church and state in Canada or in America, um, that Christians do influence, you know, po the political process, right? And uh, for good or for bad or whatever it might be, however we're going to define that, and that because of our numbers, um, we don't have the same, you know, weight, even though 
we are probably punching way above our weight class in terms of representation and how many Jews are in the Canadian Parliament or Jews are in American government or at, at various you know state, local, national, whatever. Where, wherever there are Jews, Jews are going to get involved and often. And, and you know we're not one of those people that says whatever happens in the government is their thing. Um, so I'm very much fascinated by that, by the ability that we have, um, whether as Christians or as Jews, to sort of say um, the state is secular, but I get to have my say as a religious individual. And, you know, part of what we had just spoken about actually kind of comes into play with that in the sense of like, well, just because I believe something as a Jew, does that mean that it's good law for a secular government and whether I should then advocate for X or Y. So a good example, and it's classic example would be like, I don't know, abortion, right? Where I may as a, as a Jewish person say that while I still respect the choice of a woman to choose and that it is not my job to, you know, tell this person, I do believe that life or that even the possibility, the potential for life is fundamentally important. That doesn't mean that I want, I might want to interfere in what the secular society has shown clearly that abortion is a greater good and even a greater moral good on society than whatever potential drawbacks might potentially be there, right? Um, and whatever you might hear. And nevertheless, there are many people on both sides, on both sides of the religious discussion and both sides of the political discussion that are arguing for their side, not with like, you know, while completely ignoring the fact that like, we have shown that this is a good in society. And you are going to argue probably that it's not true, but you may not be examining the facts or whatever it is. And so I'm fascinated by how that um, dynamic is shapes our society. So this is a, that's a, I mean, it's a good example because, you know, America's struggling with it. Canada pretty much has it as set a law. I don't think everybody, anybody's ever going to repeal abortion in Canada, you know, at any point, um, but, but it gets stickier. Um, and there are other places where as Jews or as Christians, how do we um, influence the will of a society that may or may not benefit from what I think is important, right? Do I think it's important that everybody should observe Sabbath the way that I observe Sabbath? Not entirely sure. So does, does that mean that I want to advocate for, you know, every seventh day to have to go back to where we have blue laws and um, in various counties and you're not allowed to have stores open and all of these things? I'm not so sure. I think we have shown that as a society, if you want to have a Sabbath, you know how to opt out of that. And if you don't want to have a Sabbath, we can't impose that on you. Um, so, so for me, that's a really interesting locus in terms of my thinking um, and how I see religious individuals um, engage in the day-to-day. -day. Um, and on the other side, I like how we um, as Jews and as Christians participate and recognize. So at the, the most basic level, um, I'm fascinated by how many rabbis think it's important to not cheat on your taxes because uh, you drive on these roads and you have a partnership in there, right? I'm not gonna get into the rabbis that think that it's totally okay, but like you partially own these roads and your neighbors own these roads and those are Jews and those are Christians. It doesn't matter, you, have, you cannot opt out of a partnership just because you think that you can save some money and nobody else is gonna know. So the idea that we are part of the society, that we are doing something active and positive and wonderful for, um, you know, the greater good of a secular society, I think really hardens me. So, so that, that's a lot of my thinking around, you know, my space in a political, my thinking in a political space. You know how, I'm gonna ask Abby something like is, like certainly for American Christians, certainly for like where Sean is from, <laughs> Christianity is a, is a conservative right-wing 
political beast, really. I mean, obviously, you'll find some left-wing, left-leaning Christians, even in Texas. But let's be honest, you throw a brick at a Christian, and you're almost certainly going to hit a political conservative, right? Uh, is there anything like that for Judaism, maybe in Canada or whatever? I mean, is it is it does it kind of tend towards political conservatism? So I'm going to throw this back at you. I'm thinking of Marx. I'm thinking of of the communist socialism, like a lot of that coming from Jewish thinkers as I'm gonna, well. So I'm going to put you on the hot seat for this one, yeah. right? Because yes, there are a lot of Jewish lefty thinkers, and there are a lot of Jewish yeah. right wing thinkers. There's a lot of Christian, you know, lefty sort of. Yeah, as well, I'm thinking more fair. on that kind of popular. The, the yeah, sort of, is there so, is there a popular uh, majority? I'm going to ask you how far your understanding of Christian nationalism is going to extend to Judaism by sort of like using this example. And I think this is fascinating, right? Right. Um, I don't know how many of you have heard of this, uh, this whole truckers convoy and protest that's been going on in Canada. Yeah. I'm interested. I don't don't know enough about what that's about. It's something that has to do with freedoms, (laughs) liberties. (laughs) All right. Abby's Uh, the Canadian. You're the Canadian who's actually living there still. You tell us. I'll give it to you in extremely <laughs> yes, brief terms. It started with this idea that pro- um, there were truckers that were protesting a lot of these individual freedoms being restricted um, because of a vaccine mandate in Canada and that they were being required to be vaccinated, while completely ignoring the fact that, first of all, 90% of the truckers were vaccin- are, are vaccinated, and that even the ones that aren't, it wouldn't matter what the Canadian government does in terms of enforcing a vaccine mandate on Canadians, because the American government won't allow you to enter the, you know, America without a vaccine anyway. So it has, really has nothing to do with Canada. But this became this larger um, discussion about religious liberty, about um, individual liberties, sorry, um, within Canada. And all these truckers mm-hmm. went to Ottawa this past weekend, and there was a lot of protests. And inevitably, because this is a very right-wing, um, you know, protest movement, there was a lot of swastikas, there was a lot of anti-Jewish sentiment. And you, and you see a lot of conservative politicians that are squirming about, like, well, I agree with what these people are saying, but I deplore the, you know, the swastikas and the anti-Semitism. And there's this attempt to, like, shift this discussion around there. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed that's interesting, and I'm actually struggling to understand this, and Stephen, maybe you can help me understand this, is um, you would otherwise imagine that religious people um, would not be so libertarian, right, uh, about these types of individual freedoms. And yet, the Jewish community has really thrown in their lot with a lot of these right-wing Christians um, who are very libertarian about their personal freedoms and how the government shouldn't be standing in the way. And religion is very much about communal responsibilities and not about personal freedoms, really like at its core. And yet religious libertarianism is is very much a thing. So I yeah. personally think that it is intimately entwined with Christian libertarian mm-hmm. tendencies. And that's why I think, Stephen, you might have yeah. something to say about this. So why don't you fill in that piece and then I will try to fill in the analog of what's going on in the Jewish community. How does that sound? <laughs> well, I am. I don't know much about the Canadian convoy. I know. I know what I've been researching and reading a little bit, but I do know just that- in general about the nature of how religious people end up on the right wing fringe, especially when it comes to libertarianism. Well, Christians do. I mean, I don't, you keep yeah, Christians. I, I said if I, you can yeah. answer it as Christians, and then I want to see if we can come to some sort of middle for what the Jews are doing there. This again, it's very. It kind of has to do with the loss of civilization. So it's kind of it comes back to that nationalism again, that Christian nationalism. So, for Roman Catholic hyperconservatives, sort of paleo conservative movement in the Catholic world, it's kind of like we had our civilization, we ran everything, and now we've lost it. The barbarians have taken over, and we want to have our civilization back. So, they Roman Catholic nationalism is very associated with kind of the loss of civilization. Evangelical 
Christian nationalism is also associated somewhat with the loss of civilization, but it was, they're more looking back to not like, oh, well, we once ran the whole world as an empire. They're more thinking, oh, the world was once safe to raise your children. Like Christian values were part of the, the common culture and, and you were family values were just part of what it was to be a human and a good citizen and a good patriot. And that, so they identifying with a form of that kind of, um, like everyone just everyone to themselves you don't need the state to look after you uh, a man men were men and women were women and everybody knew their place so it's it isn't like kind of an empire sort of nostalgia it's more nostalgia for like small town everybody knows their place nobody needs the state to bail them out kind of idea right so it's very anti-socialist very anti-communist that's why that's why you disagree with an american conservative and instantly they'll call you a communist no matter what position you take and uh, so they really identify with that kind of freedom type stuff. Everybody's individualistic, right? So it's not communal at all. In fact, if you try and talk about the the community or the communal responsibilities that come with Christianity, they'll call you a, a socialist or a communist or something right away. So that, yeah. so, but, but, you know, yeah, so that's keep going. So, so that's why the the right always the, the the real hardcore right and which by the way the what used to be that beyond the pale hardcore right is now becoming mainstream conservatism especially in the evangelical world so stuff that before like the theory of the great replacement theory you know which which used to be just this you would never hear anybody say that before and now you have tucker carlson talking about it on fox news which is the idea that white people are being replaced by immigrants um and that's becoming normal normal language now those kind of language, that, that those kind of people who are fearful about that their world is being replaced, they're the ones who are agitating for this trucker convoy, for example. So Pat King, he's this uh, Canadian right wing. He has he's on record. You can go and hear him talking about the great replacement theory. And he thinks that white people are being replaced. Um, there's a guy, another guy. I, I can't remember exactly his name, his name, Justin. Lefoy, I think not it is. Trudeau. No, not Trudeau. <laughs> uh, he was part of a, a fascist white nationalist group called the Sons of Odin. Lots of sort of Norse mythology mm -hmm. there, which is all about protecting uh, rustic rural white culture against the. I was going to say, and being as white as you can possibly be. Yeah, right. Being Nordic, right? And, and these are the people who are who have started and are the leaders of the convoy, for example. So whatever else has been bolted onto it this was the beginning of it and these are the people there uh, and they are often doing it in the in the name of christian nationalism and they'll, but they'll say they're christian but you know what they really are is is some kind of european civilizationist or hearkening back to the lost glory days of I find it deeply weird and i just I, I my theory why orthodox jews in canada are supporting the trucker convoy uh, is that it has something that I don't think they're paying attention to the great replacement theories that are being spouted by these people. I think that they are. I'm going to ask you this, Abby. Is it because Orthodox Jews have learned to be suspicious of the state? And so any movement that is against statewide mandates is, is a yes, popular one? Yes, and, 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 and that's... So, so my quick follow-up is what is mm. the... And then I'll, I'll really, I'm going to answer all of it. And I think, sorry for, for Sean taking over this question. Oh, I love I it. There's so much here. Um, yes. the, the question I have is the people that are really staunch individualist freedom type of people in the evangelical hard right or now the mainstream right, how yeah. do they view community, especially vis-a-vis -vis church? 
like who brings the potluck or do they just go and say, well, I don't care. I'm going to go home and I'm going to have my snack. And I, I, what's the, what is the sense of responsibility and how do you have, how do they deal with that disconnect between individual freedoms and communal responsibilities that they already see within their own small communities? It is a very, if I can say from a, from my viewpoint, relative to your question is that is the, that is the overwhelming um, rhythm of my life you know, growing up in the South and in the areas and the ways that I did is that understanding that massive commitment to your nation, massive commitment to your state. But at the same time, there's this socioeconomic paradox that you are up to, you are individually up to your own. Um, it's up to you. Like you don't have a community to rely on. You got to pull yourself up and take care of business and you have to succeed individually. And it almost becomes this weird systemic um, it, the people that really matter who brings the, the who brings the cookies whoever like the who, whoever's whoever's uh, whoever can is really what it, but so it's it, tribal though abby like they yeah, so it's the, very church, tribal. the church will take care of itself but they won't i have a communal will, responsibility to my church but they wouldn't ever that. use the word communal by the way communal yeah. is like a hot button word but yeah they have a they, they, they'll take care of people who are kind of in their group already but they won't yeah they won't have like a an idea that they are. So this answers a lot actually, and this is my this is where I'll go with it. I think the you know the great replacement theory is something that Jews, you're right, do not like think about because we are always the ones being replaced, right? We're always on the other side of that, so it's it's hard for you know the Jew Jewish community to think about wrapping their head around that one. Um, and I am bracketing Zionism here. I we are not talking about that because because it gets way more complicated with when you bring in Zionism in the state of Israel. Um, what I seem to see happening. Um, with the trucker convoy and the recent move towards the right within the ultra orthodox community, because we see you don't see this in more liberal Jewish communities, is that um, exactly the same things that you were talking about this return to values, the idea that our values are being taken away from us that men are supposed to be men and women are supposed to be women and abortion is supposed to be legal and homosexuality is supposed to be a sin and society is taking these things away and the people that are telling me that we are here to bring those things back are the conservative Christians that are that are asking for that type of um, life to return. Um, and these are all things, right? The, the big push in um, orthodoxy these days is for women to become clergy or not. My wife is an, is, is, or is an orthodox woman and she is ordained, but there are a lot of people that have a very great amount of difficulty with this because it flies in the face of what they were taught their whole lives that men are rabbis and women are not. As a unit, all of these issues and discussions are huge in the imagination of the Jewish community, however small they are. Um, and that is where that locus is. There's this push towards saying, well, we want to associate with the people that are asking for the same things that we are asking for, because those things are so big within our community, the, the family values and the small town life, which they is huge in their imagination, is just a small town life, let's say, in Eastern Europe. Those small towns were responsible for themselves, and the government had not, little to nothing to do with them other than that they would take taxes and they wouldn't give you anything back. The communal imagination in that community seems to be going there. The only shift is, and it's not even a shift, it's exactly the way that you're answering it is, because I'm asking myself, these are people that are so community oriented. If you use the word community in Hebrew, kihilah, or whatever it is, they're going to go and say that, yes, we are so community oriented. We believe in community, but they believe in their community. And they're not necessarily believing in, in giving right to other communities. And that may even to expand to for a lot of people to other Jewish communities that are not Orthodox. And so the values in this case are aligning without looking at this big picture of this great replacement that 
you know, that says that um, as much as they think that they're, um, you know, aligning themselves with this anti-abortion, anti-gay, positive men and, you know, old, old school men and women, um, they're not realizing that they're about to be, they're the first ones on the chopping block that are going to be replaced. That's what I think is going on here. And I don't know. I'm curious what you. Well, there's two. And also the, all the, all the conspiracy theory stuff that happens around here. So much of that is anti-Semitic as well, because it's Mm -hmm. the Jews are the ones who put the, uh, the, the, the microchip in the vaccine to control us. And, you know, it's so, so a lot of these conspiracy theorists are also the same people doing the trucker convoy, for example, that the, the ultra Orthodox communities that we're talking about, do they know that it, there's lots of anti-Semitism and they're just overlooking it? Or do they it's, not even know? Have you seen the amount of swastikas that are around? Well, this is, what, this is why I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted that you'd find ultra-Orthodox people who still align themselves with this group. But. Of ultra-Orthodox people about this specifically. But what you'll see, for example, in the larger Jewish community, so um, there is a member of parliament, Melissa Lansman. She's actually a former you know, host of our of our show, Bonjour Chai, and she's a conservative MP. And, um, you know, people are calling her up on this. Well, how could you support what they are doing when, you know, there is this idea of, you know, uh, you know, all these, all these swastikas, all this anti-Semitism that is there. She's like, well, I agree with what they are saying, but I deplore the anti-Semitism. Right. And there's this attempt to like shear the two to apart to sort of say, I believe that these values and you're here without necessarily thinking that those two are actually intertwined, They're that you really don't have the values of, you know, vaccine freedom and quality and, and, and positive women, uh, old school values of men and women and stuff like that without adding that anti-Semitism in there that the it has to go together in yeah. the way that the trucker convoy or the people that have started it are actually going um, well, so i think that that's circles. what happens it's yeah. it's difficult to, to see and we're rationalists and we see it but i'm you know people bifurcate things all the time what happens when you show yeah. up at a pizza shop and there's no actual you know child pedophile ring there uh, you don't your your ideas don't just die you yeah. just shift and you you have to keep your narrative alive because <laughs> we love it we love the tribalism more than we love being right wrong or right right absolutely that track for you <laughs> oh no it, it no it does it definitely tracks i mean all those things track i just it opens up the doors to so many more conversations and questions which i think is brilliant because then it keeps us, us talking about it and i think back to your you were asking about some of the parents some of the perspectives and and Stephen mentioned tribe and one of the things that, that stood out to me culturally especially down here is you know, the truckers up there, and I think this goes throughout North America, the truckers have their tribe. If you do that, it doesn't mean they all go to the same church. It doesn't mean they all have the same even political side. It just means that they're all part of that tribe. So when you go into that tribe, you have that identity and you can take that tribe. We can create, I mean, there's all kinds of tribes you can be a part of on a personal level that are down here that can influence that, which I think that we then subjectively or subconsciously think is part of our part, part of our community because you have friends and people that you care about and hang out with and love and do life with. But the, but the, but what it actually means, which just goes into a little bit of the libertarian comment is that you're, you don't realize that what you really care about is being an individual and your individual liberties, which you just start breaking it down compared to what you said, you want to be a Christian. If you look at the teachings and the idea of, you know, joining a community and becoming, and like Stephen said, you start saying that and all of a sudden you're like, wait, you're, that sounds like socialism and that makes you a communist. Because of those multiple tribal hats are very, very hard to kind of... Well, it gets messy as well, right? Because like you can't have libertarianism without Ayn Rand. And Ayn Rand is a Jewish intellectual. 
Yeah, but no Jew wants to write anymore. I know, but... but Except for the extreme right. Exactly, but it's very possible to be an extreme right Ayn Randian and go, oh, I don't hate Jews. Look, I like Ayn Rand. And there's a global banking conspiracy run by Jewish people to control the world. Yeah. You know, they, and, but they get to they get they they get to claim some sort of get out of jail free card because they like Ayn Rand. And I think what we said before there was really interesting about how tribes sometimes require fictions to be maintained in order to keep that tribe going. Right. So when it comes to the extreme right, right, with these white nationalists, it's what you call great replacement. We want what used to be, and we're and for this fiction to come up and to be maintained by other stories and other ways of like approaching and adding on various pieces to keep the theory alive than it is mm. to recognize that that theory really can't come back right mm. and can't really fit in anymore we have to you know tear down and really create a new narrative um and that happens for example in the trucker community and the trucks with regards to the trucks is the same sort of idea that like well as a trucker it's about freedom of movement and it's easier to create this fiction that if I can't cross a border, then my entire, you know, way of being is going to be impinged on um, as a trucker, and that the trucker community is more important about movement and freedom than it is about anything else. And then the same thing happens in the Jewish community, right, where we need to create these freedoms and these fictions around what the community was like, and that mm. that's going to move the things forward, um, and that trying to that change isn't going to happen. That the way things were is better and that the inevitability of progress is not a good thing. I mean, there must be a religious dimension to that conservatism, right? Which is all about, well, we had the revelation way back then. So yeah, it's only change that made things worse. And that would be Christian. Yeah. Well as Jewish. And, and so, and that that's difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Because Christians want to believe that what they are doing are, is exactly what Jesus was doing. Yeah, I know. And that's the push towards this idea of like Jewish Christianity of these Christians that want to celebrate a Passover Seder or want to wear a prayer shawl and, and pray on Saturdays because they want to be like Rabbi Jesus. Right. Old and is more authentic. Yeah. It, because we we haven't changed. Clearly, we are doing what we have always been doing, and there's no recognition that religion evolves. And in the Jewish community, you have these same motions, right? Where Moses wears a black hat. Right, a 19th, like a 20th century anachronistic clothing, right, in kids' coloring books, because that's the way it is. And the way that we keep Sabbath is exactly the way that, you know, that they kept Sabbath in the temple, the way that they kept the rabbis kept Sabbath, the way that Moses kept Sabbath. And and people love this idea that there's there's this famous teaching and there's this midrash, right, which is a text um, that points out that all of the forefathers, that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, kept the entire Torah. Right, that they that even though they lived hundreds of years before the Exodus, before that they the had Torah. a that they had a Passover Seder, and that yeah. they were very strict on tithing their produce at one tenth, per, you know, and that they were doing all of the laws that are in the Mishnah and in the rabbinic world. That they kept everything because they knew about it um, mm. through, you know, prophecy, and that there's this important idea that everybody was always doing exactly the same thing, and that um, when that when that comes up against modernity, right, yeah. things break down lead to a kind of a, a conspiracy-minded conservatism as well, right? I mean, because you're already being asked to, to believe something that is basically unbelievable, and you're being asked to defend it against any change whatsoever. Yeah, but I, I think the strength of this is that how many evangelical Christians and how many ultra-Orthodox Jews are thinking about the long lens of history or have this awareness that 
right? That change is inevitable versus how many people just sit there and practice and just assume that it is the way it was for the past 200 years, the past 500 years, the past 3000 years. Do you think in your <laughs> tradition is change inevitable or is it assumed? Maybe I, I'm trying to formulate a set of questions that somewhat relate to what you've just spoken about, but it, it relates to my own inherited Christian culture, Avi, which I'm really curious about. I, I think I have a set of questions that would just be, it would be a whole series of podcasts by itself. So I'm going to try to, you know, condense it down, but let me, let me try to describe this to you. I was raised specifically by my mother to, to not be anti-Semitic. My mother taught me to respect Jews, like, and to, to what happened in the Holocaust was so horrific and abhorrent. And so I was, I was, it was ingrained in me, like respect Jews, they're God's people. You respect them. My mid twenties. And I, I was, I was teaching in a school, a Christian school student started spouting off bank conspiracy of your thing the protocols of zion yeah and i was like i was like looking around going what just happened like what are you talking about like like that was the first time that i had ever come in contact with that kind of mentality now i knew there were neo-nazis i knew there were people out there trying to you know restart those types of ideologies okay so what i'm trying to say is i grew up with that type of mentality however it was also embedded with end time theology, eschatology. That um, and so so it's interesting how you said let's bracket off Zionism because in a way I was like going oh I think that's where I want to go I'm I'm really curious about it because I, I and I don't mean to fully unlock that but for me in my sector of Christianity the 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 modern day nation of Israel was bound up in our understanding of where God was leading things toward the end the end of the world to, to the final judgment, and so I've kind of had to unravel that a bit and just go I, I don't even know what I think about the modern day nation of Israel anymore, and it's so interesting to notice people's reactions to like if 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 I'm against Israel am I anti-Semitic now like <laughs> am I am I against modern Israel and so I I've seen a lot of Christians wrestle with this. Um, <laughs> I don't know where I'm leading with the question. I, I, I'm looking for you to unpack some of that for me, maybe so, culturally. Yeah, so it's one of the, first of all, you should know that as as Jews, right, the, the Jews who, who like to be in the new, they're always like, oh, we should be rejecting Christian support for Israel because at the ultimate, the end of it all, and Stephen and I have talked about this, I think it's, it's, uh, it's about supersessionism. The idea is, is that all these Christians really believe is that they, uh, as soon as all the Jews are in Israel, right that's when you know the, the apocalypse is going to happen that's when the rapture is going to happen all the jews are going to die and that's when jesus is going to come the only way that that's going to happen is finally if we get all the jews into israel so we have this rah 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 amazing support for the state of israel um but um we really have these ulterior motives and christians won't talk about it but that's really there and that's true mm -hmm. um, one thing really quickly please yes on the ulterior motives except for one thing that you said Mm -hmm. And this is this might be equally offensive, but this is how I was raised. This is how I was raised. Mm -hmm. We didn't want any of the Jews to die. We wanted you to become Christians. We wanted you to become Christ followers. So, and, and in uh, the absence of that, then you yeah. were to die. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh die. no. Oh no. You're probably right. You're probably right. Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's cultural <laughs> genocide, no matter how you swing it. Convert or oh, die. No. Right. Okay. Um, Fair enough. So, so. 
so so that's there, right? But then yes. you also have to unpack the idea that Zionism and secularism um, have this weird relationship also, in that there is a really big branch of religious Zionism, but um, you know the tension between Zion is between religion and secularism within a the state of Israel um, has and is and will be a source of tension because how do you deal with a Jewish state, right, that is still, you know, a secular democracy and how do you, you know, tease those things apart and all of these, these questions and secular Zionists and religious Zionists all have these issues um, and how it plays out in the American landscape or in the North American landscape is also a huge part of this. And so it does go back to questions of what, does it mean to have a state and what does it mean to have a people and a nation and a land and all this stuff. And that's sort of why I didn't really want to like get into it because it's, it's its own set of issues and questions and values and whatever. I feel about a people that wants to support the state of Israel because they want me to, to go away ultimately. I, I don't know, like um, the question of anti-Zionism being anti-Semitism, there are people that we're, there are religious people and there are secular people that will absolutely say that those things are you know inextricably entwined. You cannot be an anti-Zionist while also maintaining that you are not an anti-Semite. Um, I don't think that's true. I think that there are many Jews that recognize that there are fundamental issues with the way that they see Zionism and the way that it's practiced today, and say, "I don't hate Jews. I just don't like this." You know political system that is going on military industrial complex yeah. whatever you want to call it right um however you want to approach it and that um that is tied up with a lot of that as well um my personal editorializing on that is that um anybody whose fundamental definition of their identity and within their faith is purely based on this idea of like just the state of israel without thinking about the relationship that they have with the tradition and their traditions and god and all these things it seems a little shallow right it's the same way that i have a, a somewhat difficult time sometimes with people whose only definition of their judaism is that i don't like anti-semitism right and <laughs> And so, you know, so that's why I don't like it. Again, I'm not interested in, in avoiding the, the question, but I think that it opens up a whole other set of like questions and issues about, you know, how do we relate to the state? How do we relate to a people? Um, you know, even in a perfect world, Judaism would be going through a lot of great difficulties right now with the state of Israel, um, simply because it's hard to navigate a secular state with a Jewish population of Jewish people um, with religious laws, um, you know, really built into the fabric of the society. How do you, how do you contend with, and I'm not saying that we have to remove any of these laws or which ones are good and which ones are bad, but how do you deal with a secular state or a technically secular state, although they're trying to shift that and call it a Jewish state or whatever, um, that allows certain people of certain faith, right, automatic citizenship while denying citizenship to a lot of people that have been living there for decades. Right, that's fundamentally a religious law within a secular state. How do you deal with the fact that um, the secular state has given over, for example, marriage and divorce uh, laws, right, or the, the, the ability to divorce and marry um, people religiously to one religious body and not to multiple religious bodies, right, and that it is impossible to get married secularly in the state of Israel right now. Right. If you want to do that, what everybody does is they go off to Cyprus, they have a quick wedding, and then they come back to Israel. Because you cannot get married legally if you are two Jews in Israel without um, a rabbi present. 
or unofficially rabbi present, one who is a representative of the state, right? So these are very difficult and touchy questions that again, show up in America. And that there's this idea that as a, no, I mean, as America for Americans and for Christians in America, right? The same push towards moving against, right? The idea of like, well, if you're an anti-Zionist, you're an anti-Semite, right? And, and that the two are, you know, together and that you hate me, if you hate my land, you hate me, right? As soon as you get into some critique of America, right? There are people who see that as an attack on their faith. Mm-hmm. And that is where the pushback happens, right? When we say you're a commie, we're basically saying you're anti-Christian. Not we, but the evangelicals or the people on the hard right, right? They are saying you're anti-Christian. It's just coded language for that. And, and the same dynamic is at play there, mm. right? I think, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm sure, Stephen, you've thought about this extensively, but, but the idea that like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's back to my old thesis, which is that, I mean, we all say we love God more than, politics but when it really comes down to it nationalism is actually the most powerful force that humans have invented <laughs> because yeah because whenever a, a religion or a faith goes wrong it's it's always because they have tied it to nationalism so nationalism the needs of the nation state always win out over religion so religion's meant to be transcendent it's meant to love you know brotherhood of all mankind kind of thing but it always gets corrupted by the when it's tied to a national identity and the national identity wins all the time. So it's yeah, more powerful. I see these Christian pastors, these evangelical pastors that are incredibly powerful are basically saying, right, um, America is Christianity, yeah. right? L'état c'est Dieu, right? As one would say, right? Or God is saying l'état c'est moi, right? <laughs> right? Um, and, and that that, you know, any minor, you know, anti-Americanism and they go, oh, you can critique America. We, we're critical of America all the time and we think that there are problems, right? but, but they don't, no. right? It's, it's like saying I, I'm critical of my dad because, you know, he snores too much, but, but you don't really like, you don't hate your dad because dad snores. You're never allowed to right. fundamentally question whether America is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or any because, country. Any, because country. Cri- any Christian country. Because oh, Christianity oh, yeah. is, I'm saying, I'm seeing it from the yeah. American evangelical lens is that Christianity is America and our version of Christianity is America. So anything that you critique mm-hmm. about America, you're basically saying, you, you're, you're saying that Christianity is wrong and that that's, that's unacceptable. I wonder whether yeah. something of that has migrated now, that, that the, the kind of militant nationalist Zionism that we see is, is essentially a jewish migration of the holy like what evangelicals did to america jews are doing to israel but it's the same i'm not enough of a a zionist scholar or historian to know when that happened but you have to remember that zionist nationalism comes out of the same roots in western europe well exactly um, but but has their different but but it branches off fairly early on and it's only now that it's shifting back and coming but it has actually avi it goes back to the reformation we talked about martin luther before Mm -hmm. i mean it actually goes back to the uh, the rise of the nation state which was happening in europe during the reformation where the nation state becomes the unit the base unit not the empire or not your family or not your church it was becomes the nation state becomes the base kind of formation of your identity and that is during the reformation as well so that leads very easily to all the christian nationalisms we see but it also leads to israeli nationalism as well where that the nation state is the core 
thing without which you are not an authentic person unless you are, you know, connected to your nation. And I, I guess we're just seeing, and I think that's a Christian nationalist invention that was coming out of the Reformation. And I'm just seeing a Jewish version of that. They're using the same language and the same logic. And I don't see it happening in the old, it's not happening in the Hebrew scriptures. It's happening. So, in, so it's exactly what I was gonna say. The piece yeah. that I'm fascinated by is how much modern religious individuals and i know our issue with the term religious right you know yeah, yeah, people yeah. of <laughs> people of faith to a hyphen for a within within christianity or within judaism read the bible now with yeah. a nationalist or they a nation state sort of bent right and without even being aware of it and not realizing yeah. that you're doing violence to the text to think that david is a head of state and not just you know a uh, you know, a leader of a of a tribe of a individuals, tribe. or a leader mm -hmm. of a, a leader of a combination of tribe of individuals, and the idea of a state, mm -hmm. the way that we understand it, doesn't really exist back then. Well, I mean, not a single nation that's mentioned in the Bible exists today, and not a single nation that people today Wait, live and die you didn't, for. You didn't vacation then. with the Jebusites last so uh, two years ago? <laughs> Did that happen? <laughs> That the Hittites are not like known <laughs> right, for their like, none cuisine. Of There's no Hittite fusion restaurant in downtown London. Right? Like nations rise and fall. Yeah. And and no nation that anyone's a member of today existed during biblical times. And no Except nation. For the Jews, that right? And that's the, the big biblical. Jewish notion was that like we, we exist. But the in state that way. of Israel didn't exist. The right? state of so again, yeah, the state of Israel is state, always is that right? Yeah. And so we not we. Zionists, old school and new, always like to point to this fact that this is a return, right? In Hebrew, the term is Shivat Zion, okay. right? Which is a messianic, messianic term, right? About where the Messiah returns us to Zion, or that's part of the beforehand or afterwards or whatever it might be, right? And it's always about this return. It's in our, this is our ancestral homeland without thinking about the distinction between a homeland and a state. Yeah, um, yeah, and sure. that that gets a little muddy yeah, in yeah, some it, way. It is the state that has occupied our imaginations, yeah. One thing that I'm, I'm curious about, and, and Stephen, part of this comes into play with some of your own recent work um, about power dynamics and you know who, who, who claims to have authority within a room. And, and by room, we might just mean the global stage, we might say that. One of the American myth stories is the mm. Puritans facing religious persecution, coming to America, finally, able to have freedom you know inhabiting their land over here and they're able to have their religious freedom their their cultural freedom that to me there's a parallel with and and i'm in some ways i might be speaking out of ignorance but from what i see is you have all of these eastern europe european uh, nations uh expunging jews out of their out of their countries like you know all of the, the pogroms uh, over and over and over again it finally culminates in world war ii it's like like the atrocity, like it was like a exponential massive um, amount of atrocity. And so now on a mass scale, us, Amer our, our pilgrims, our Puritans, that was just a small group of people. You all are these people that have been persecuted for centuries, you know, and now so now you've been given your millennia, please. We are. Well, thank just... you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we've got we've got our we've got our card punched. We've got our card punched on, on persecution. Got so many free persecutions because of our VIP status. 
But are you saying, Chris, that as an American, the, the American evangelicals have an affinity, they feel they have an, an affinity to Jews because they also were I think there might be some part of that, that there's an affinity right. to that story. But then what, what I'm also interested in is the flip of power dynamics, which is like you literally had no say, no control other than within your own little, uh, you know, village, town, re region. And now all of a sudden, I don't, I don't know enough about Zionism, how, how the whole how it was negotiated or the land was taken uh but now you have a nation so the power dynamics has somewhat switched um and i think i'm i think i'm asking a question that's maybe just too complicated to give it get even into I, i'm curious of of a group of people that have been traumatized for millennia all of a sudden now they have something of a little bit of power even right. if the whole world is against them <laughs> so we don't know We've addressed yeah. this in the podcast, no, Stephen. The, the the evangelical affinity for for Jews, yeah. and mm. but ultimately, it's it's it needs to be replaced. And we've spoken about this also that like the 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 affinity ultimately has to go away because it's the way that they were. But that there's this idea of chosenness, right? So I don't want to get into that piece um, because we we've spoken about the this, hyphen, no? so the hyphen can, exactly. We can send people um, to other places for that. And I think we've spoken about yeah. this also, but I can just briefly mention, and this is where a lot of people who are thinking about these questions think about is that if the narrative the Jews had for so long, or this is the way I put it, but the idea is out there. Um, if the narrative the Jews have had for so long is that we are the David and, and this is an, in a Goliath world and we have this persecution, right? For so long and we are the David that, we, that is going to triumph in the end. What happens when the David becomes the Goliath? Right. And that that's the pushback in a lot of right wing Zionism is no, 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 no. We are still the David. Right. We are still the underdog. We are the ones who are the only democracy in this state with all these, you know, missiles, thousands and thousands of right. missiles pointed at us. We are still the David without asking themselves, is there a place where you are the Goliath in this situation because you are the one um, doing something wrong to a whole bunch of other people within your own land um, and that that's the tension and there's there's a lot of rich um, area to discuss in that and to think about more um, but that we don't really have to get into here because because it's very touchy politically and it'll last lead to hours and hours of other discussions and that, by the way, is the same to go back because there are only a few universal narratives, right? Ultimately, is what is going on with the evangelical Christians, right? And their staunch defense is because what happens when they feel like they were in the majority until very recently and they were comfortable with that and nobody was questioning their hegemony of cultural, religious, you know, whatever. If it's okay, of course we're secular. We don't have to worry about that because everybody knows that we're really Christian. And when that starts to get questioned, Right. When your Christian whiteness starts to get questioned, even though you can look around and realize that you are still very much in the majority, as soon as that question starts being asked, you are not the David anymore. You are not the Goliath anymore. You might be the David. Then there's this pushback and say, no, 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 no. You are that man. I mean, it's within yeah. the Hebrew tradition, right? Of yeah. like the kings can be bullies and, and people Absolutely. who at one time were persecuted can then grow up to become the persecutors. And it's right there in our scriptures. You mm -hmm. are that man. Least David at least has that moment and he recognizes when he's yeah. when he's her hears you are that man yeah, exactly. and he repents and he, he knows exactly. this right when we point that out to evangelical Christians right or to ultra right Zionists it yeah, yeah. Th it's that same thing that we spoke about in terms of narrative that gets pushed back no 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 no, no. what are you talking about I am still you, you can't anyway you can't win people love their patriotism and their nationalism they love it it's uh, impervious to reason. <laughs>
<laughs> I have a quick li lightning round question for you. Please. Obi. Just one? So, just one. Seven. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, seven. <laughs> <laughs> Passage. Yeah, fair. <laughs> well, this. So favorite this one, Catholic it's, it's saint. Was, yeah, there you go. I don't know. <laughs> who's There's so many favorite, in Montreal. Who's your favorite evangelical televangelist? <laughs> oh, oh, I'll go. Um, out of, out of snark or out of out of seriousness? Whatever, whatever you, you have want. a serious answer to that question. Uh, I, I like. I mean, Rick Warren. I think has some beautiful things to say. Oh sure, sure. <laughs> there He's you go. He's learned a lot over the years. He's learned a lot over the years. He Anybody has. who washed the feet of of Obama, you know, in this ritual way, was like, oh right. yeah. And anybody who does a reverse tithe and anybody who says, you know what, I'm incredibly famous, but I'm not going to, I, God forbid I should ever end up on preachers and sneakers, right? You know, like <laughs> would be Joel Osteen because there's like no religion left in that man. Just if like they, he if is. If they ever do come to round up the Christians, Joel Osteen will be very safe. He's <laughs> just going to pass on by. There's <laughs> there so many. This man has smoothed off so many of the edges of his yeah. Christianity. Yeah. So I've actually I thought of two lightning round questions. Thank you. That was good. That was, that, was, that was number one. Number two, it does actually relate. And you can have fun with this if you want to. But I, it is a somewhat serious question. It's related to what we were just previously talking about. As a 21st century Jew, is there is there any desire for you to take your family move to israel or are you are you satisfied you think no i'm a north american canadian jew it's okay this i'm doing i'm living my faith in my life here now there's no impetus for me to have to move to israel i love israel my wife loves israel my kids who have never been love israel and the idea of it um but we always say that the last thing that israel needs right now is two other anglo-speaking religious figures who want uh -huh. to like teach Judaism to other English speakers, right? Like if, if you told me that I was going to be a <laughs> farmer or an investment, you know, something or other tech startup, if I was going to go and contribute to the land, right, contribute to the country in some meaningful way, a hundred percent would make a lot of sense for us to move. There is, there is a, a surplus, an excessive surplus of rabbi the Abbey toolkit <laughs> that primarily <laughs> teach in English, right? <laughs> In Israel right now, I do not belong there. <laughs> right? It's like saying, go church plant in central Texas. Does that make sense? Right? Like, why would you do that? <laughs> okay, here's my last question. And this has to do with culture. Uh, again, I can't remember. I have these like different memories, but maybe I would pinpoint it to this. When I realized that Jerry Steinfeld was Jewish, I was like, he is? You know, um, so waking up to how culturally influential Jew, Jews have been in my country, at least comedy, filmmaking, the, the, the movie industry. I'm just really curious. What does that mean on a day to day level with for, for Jewish people like Jewish comedy is kind of like a huge part of my it's, life. It's important that we have to stop this conversation because people will find out that we do run the media. And, and, and we need to, the convoy that, truckers that, were right. That secret right, has to stay. <laughs> with a guy named Spielberg ever like all my movies that I watched were by him you know like what does it mean to you like to to like when I I'm, I'm French I'm British like there's certain elements that I'm like oh you know it's very British I love I love that uh what does it mean to you when you see just I don't know, Jewish art so being very, made and I'm, having I'm very idiosyncratic right as a Jew okay. I love 
you know, Jewish art, right? I, yeah. And we have several episodes that are hopefully going to come out in our mini series on, on religion and art, right? On mm -hmm. hyphen, which you should tune into for the future, because we, we definitely have spoken about that in the past and in the future. Um, and we will in the future, I should say. I get a lot of pride out of Jewish art and Jewish music and Jewish um, characters and figures that influence me and that show me that there are characters and figures that reflect my experience in a way that is universalizable through art or however else you want to film art in the general sense of not science um, and science as well if you want to if you want to go there and in that and I I don't know a lot of people that think like this is that in that I don't feel that my faith needs to be universalized this idea that like my experience is so good that I need to share like oh my god it's like it's that anti-preaching sort of like thing that I was talking about earlier and it's wonderful for me right I like it I think it's important I think it's interesting but I don't need my Judaism to be trumpeted from the tops, you know, of the of the mountains and the buildings and to say, we're the best, look how wonderful it is. And there are plenty of people that do that and think that that's so great. Look at who's Jewish. Let's create a list of all the Jewish people in entertainment. Look at how wonderful that is. And how many Jews well, are have Canadian Nobel Prize? <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> the Canadians do that as well. So I know plenty of Canadians. <laughs> I, yeah. So like, I, you know, so in that sense, it's kind of cute. It's kind of interesting. Um, but unless I'm learning something from that moment, right, I, I don't feel the need to like, I, that sense of pride is personal, but doesn't need to be made universal to like create a podcast of look at all the cool Jews out there or whatever. I, I, but that's just me. Plenty of people have that reaction. Right. There, there are many people who do this, who create these lists of Jews, right, who have won the Nobel or lists of Jews who have the Order of Canada. And think of how wonderful it's a sense of pride. Look at how outsized influence we have. OK, great. Even if we had no outside influ outsized influence, my relationship with my, you know, God is has not been changed in any way an inferiority complex like oh that guy can do everything where was yeah, it fine gold <laughs> it, it's funny there, there are some parallels in the christian world which is like when a, a christian rock star gets like a famous record like number one like we have amy grant i don't know if you've ever heard say, of her of she course. had like a, Jar a number one jars of know, clay jars or, of clay switched foot uh, yeah there is a sense of like david yeah, bazin have, right you know like who's that wasn't he Pedro, um Pedro the lion um, oh, oh david yeah david bazan yeah bazan yeah. sorry I'm, that's bazan. okay that's all right. I was wondering if that's like it's a not. Canadian star that I wasn't familiar with. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, th there is a sense of like, oh, look at us. We've finally risen to cultural prominence. Look at, you know, like. You haven't. You, you <laughs> Have you walked into a medieval art gallery <laughs> museum? Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> Yeah, and you find me a painting from the from the years 1000 to 1800 that does not have a cross or a Jesus or a Madonna on it. <laughs> well, thank you both for your time. and guess what the conversation continues you know you've already pointed us to upcoming episodes so i mean we're happy that people listen to you here but we're also going to point you to the future things coming up and just just thanks for taking this time and and keeping the conversation going Avi, you mentioned there's more than one hyphen. Where do people go if they want to listen to the um, what, the, If you want to really zero in on it, if you go into wherever you get your podcast and you type in hyphen Jewish Living Lab, 
right? Because we've rebranded actually from Jewish Learning Lab to Jewish Living Lab, because what's learning other than just like living better? Um, so um, go to Jew hyphen Jewish Living Lab in anywhere you get your podcast. We can put a link into the show notes um, and, uh, you know, subscribe, listen. We have wonderful conversations and ask, send us an email, ask us a question about what you want to know about Judaism or Christianity. And we'll, we're going to start collecting them together. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have other podcasts as well, like within the I got so lab. many. So if you go to just jewishlivinglab.com and click on podcasts, you'll find I have a handful of others. Um, um, if anybody who loves Broadway musicals, my, my I produce one for my wife where they take a different passage of the Bible and compare it to a Broadway so musical song every episode. Um, so, good. you know, you have fun with that. And yeah, <laughs> That's good. several others. And Stephen, I hear you have a podcast as well. I hope to hear you on it someday. Maybe one I'm day. being very meta right now. Being very like breaking the fourth wall. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> how if, if one is a subscriber of this podcast, how does one get a Stevens podcast? Uh, uh, is that a serious question, or are you just you're just <laughs> looping with me? It's it's automatically whenever we release. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're listening to this, chances are you're one of our subscribers. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you both, and uh, blessings oh, to you both. To be. Yeah, thank nice you. Thank you for listening. Thanks to David Backhouse for the theme tune and to Chris Marchand for editing and all the other music. This show only exists because of support from listeners like you. If you have found something we made to be good or useful, please consider becoming a patron at the Tent Talks Patreon page or leave a good review on whichever podcast platform you use to listen. This really helps. For more information, visit www.tenttheology.com. Mm -hmm.